0: Hello. You guys get me today. Mm-hmm. I'm glad there's some enthusiasm. <laughs> no, I used to, um, before I had children, I used to love traveling. And I heard one day I will travel again, but they're still pretty young. Um, but when we're backpacking, we would, we were going through South America and um, we'd meet up at these hostels and we would share stories with other travelers. Um, Some of them would be going to the opposite place that we were going, some are going to where we just came from, and we would share these stories, uh, where to go, what to watch out for, what we loved about it, and it just, it enriched our trip, and that's what I feel like I'm doing here today, is that this is our hostel, and I'm going to be sharing with you where I've been from, and some of the things that I've learned, and I look forward to hearing from you, and what you know, last week we got to hear from Jan, and next week we get to hear from Laura, but to hear about where they've been and what they have to offer. So I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit. God, you know what my heart is, and I just pray that you help me to hear your heart, that you prepare the heart of every person in here, that they walk away feeling quenched and full and closer to your goodness. Thank you. I've always been interested in character development. And in the Bible in particular, different characters, not characters, different people in history who would get a calling on their life, but then there was this amount of time that would pass before they would actually be entering into the ministry. And I've always been curious, like, what went on during that time? What character needed to be developed? Like, what did, what did that process look like? And I've always had this fascination. And when someone would say before I got married, marriage is hard, it's kind of like, okay, but what does that mean? And, and how, do you, how does it not be hard? Or how do you enjoy the hard parts of it? So I've always had this fascination, this curiosity. And, and that's probably one of the reasons why I entered into counseling, is, is to understand what that growth process looks like and how how you do it well, right? So I love that verse that was shared today, that God hasn't invited us into disorderly, unkempt life, but into something holy and beautiful, as beautiful on the inside as the outside. And I love that verse, but that verse would have terrified me years ago. It would have terrified me because in my mind, it would have been oh, no, I, I I need it to be as beautiful on the outside as it on the inside, or I need to... And there would be this incredible pressure, this pressure to be good enough. And how I looked at growth was like, here I am, and here's where God wants me to be. And I would just see this big gap, and I would feel, oh, my goodness, you've got your work cut out for you. And there was this constant trying to be good enough, trying to be good enough, trying to be a good enough mom, trying to be a good enough wife, trying to be a good enough counselor, and it was exhausting. It was absolutely exhausting, but I'm really stubborn. um, I I like to refer to it as I'm very determined. Uh, I'm sure my husband would agree, Uh, and it'd be like, okay, no, I'm going to start again. I'm going to try to be good enough. I'm going to try to be good enough. One day, I was driving, I'm like, God, what is it going to take? And I heard so clearly, I never called you to be good enough. I've never called you to be good enough. Actually, in the Bible, it's the opposite. It says, you aren't. That's why I sent my son. And it's through him that you are able to live a life that is pleasing. And it was then that I stopped trying to be a Christian. And I started having a relationship with God. And that's where everything in my life changed. So God asks for perseverance over perfection. But I was trying to do it the other way around. I was persevering in perfection and trying to be what I thought God wanted me to be. And it was exhausting, and I just kept staring at the failure of it. But that's not what he called us to do. He called us to be in relationships. And over a period of time, he showed me exactly what that looks like and how character is developed through that. I thought it was my role to be obedient. You know, we're called to be obedient. And yes, we're called to be obedient. But for my children, I want them to be obedient, but I need to have relationship with them. I need that obedience to be within the context of our relationship. And, you know... My children will ask me very regularly. They're hopeful. (laughs) They're optimists. Mom, can I have candy for breakfast? (laughs) No. No, you cannot. Um, But (laughs) I know I'm a real stickler for health. Um, But, you know, and I love when they are obedient. But it would actually sadden me if they're in university calling me up saying, Mom, can I have um, candy for breakfast? Because they're not just called to be obedient. They're called to be matured. And so what once was obedience where they had to say to me, can I do this or can I not do this? It's my goal as a mother for their character to be developed and mature to the point where they don't need to ask me if they do this or not do this because they operate out of love and not fear. They operate out of, out of what is good and not just what is pleasurable. And so my process of, of just this growth and this character development um, was really slow. Like it's, I always see things in pictures. And so when I was getting prepared, I'm like, it was just, it was so painful. It was just so, I'm like, I just saw myself going down this slide. And you know when the slide's really, really dry and your skin is like, <laughs> <laughs> that was my character developing. <laughs> it was painful, it was slow, and it was awkward for other people to watch. <laughs> but when I started this, re- when I started actually, going, okay, God, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And what do you think about this? It's like there was just this ease. And I was able to actually get to know his heart and to get to know his goodness. When we look at what growth looks like, I used to see it as here's your starting point, there's your ending point. And every day it's my job to get closer and closer to that ending point. But really growth is like the circular. You're going around and around and around and around. And when you're the one in it, it feels like you're going nowhere until you take a moment and stop and you say, okay, holy cow, I've come really far. But then you go around and around and around and around. And what I've found is that that's the struggle of the soul because our soul, which is our mind, our heart, or our thoughts, our, our emotions, and our will are often terrified of change. We're actually wired to keep things the same, that anything that is new and different can actually create the fear response, the fight, flight, or fear. And that's why it's so important that as we press in and pursue God, that our eyes are on him because our spirit needs to lead us, not our soul. Our soul is going to be talking us out of this any way possible. My soul had a few words to say about me speaking today. <laughs> there must be a mistake. <laughs> it's our spirit, though, that can rise up. And when we learn to let our spirit lead, which again is that character growth, when we learn to let our spirit lead, we can go into new territory with confidence. We can go into new char- territory because the one calling us into that territory is a good God. It's a God that loves us, that has a plan to prosper us and not to harm us. It's a practice to learn to let your spirit lead. It's a practice that we have to... If we're not committed to it, it doesn't just happen. And in the beginning, what I found myself doing this practice, it wasn't much of a practice, it was more of a like, I'm drowning, help. And I'm willing to hear what you have to say about me. <laughs> I'm sure no one can relate to that. Um, you know, when you're li- like, I don't know how to fix this, so I'm willing to let you lead God. and, and But then I heard him. And he would walk me out of the circumstances. He would walk me out of that pain. And then it was like, okay, that was pretty good. And then it would happen again. Different circumstance. Okay, God, you've got this. But eventually, it's like, Sam, I don't just want your crisis. I want your heart. I don't just want to come in and fix things. I want a relationship with you. And another scripture that used to, to kind of freak me out a bit was the one of the talents. Um, you know, John shared it a couple of months ago about the servant who's given one talent, the servant who's given two, and the servant that was given five. And they were told to go and invest. And I love it because I know I want to be the servant with the five talents that goes and doubles it. I know that. But there was something in me, like, as he's speaking, that I'm like, ah, oh, I don't love this. I don't love this verse. What is it, God? What is it? And so I went and I had some quiet time, and I'm like, God, what is it that I don't love about this? And he's like, well, how do you feel when you hear it? And it's like, I know I want to be that one that comes back and has doubled the investment, but I feel like there's such a responsibility and I don't know how to do it. So I said, God, I want to take my five talents and double it. And he's like, you're the one with two. (laughs) You're the one with two. But at one point, you were the one with one. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, you're so funny. Oh, no, you're serious. Okay. Um, (laughs) But he says, it's not a test. It's an invitation. It's not a test. Here's your one. It's an invitation. Here's your one, and now I'm going to show you what to do with it. You can trust me. I want to apprentice you in it. And the word, this last year, the word apprenticeship has come up over and over again. Sam, I'm apprenticing you. I'm not putting this responsibility on you to be good enough. I'm apprenticing you in my ways. I'm apprenticing you in my love. And so then, I see myself with the two talents. And it's like, I'm going to apprentice you. I'm going to apprentice you with those two talents. And the responsibility is not on you. Your responsibility is to show up and be in relationship with me. When I was at a conference um, last October, I was, um, Bill Johnson was speaking, and he, he wasn't actually speaking, he was just kind of doing the intro before the sermon, and I was standing up at the front because the worship, and, and I just, I saw his heart. It was, it was God's heart for people. Like, he just oozed love. Like he, he genuinely loved all these people. And he wanted, he just wanted so much for the people. And I'm like, God, I want that heart. I want that heart. And he's like, ask for an impartation. I'm like, well, he's, I don't know if you noticed he's on stage. <laughs> and I'm down here. But I'm like, he's like, do you want an impartation? I said, yes, I want that impartation. And so I'm kind of in my own little moment, and I'm like, but how does, isn't he supposed to touch me or something? I don't know. Anyway, so I'm just kind of, like, having these, like, very soulish conversations while trying to stay connected. And all of a sudden, I felt this tap on my shoulder, and it was Bill Johnson. And I'm like, yes! <laughs> and I'm like, I wonder if he felt the power go out of him. Anyways, whatever. Um, so... So then that night, it was the last night of the conference, and I'm like, I want a dream, God. Give me a dream. Like, I, w- you know, like, yes, I'm going to have that love for people, and I'm like, I'm, yeah, let's do this. So I proceeded to have a dream that's like, I don't know if you ever heard of the movie Sharknado. It was the weirdest dream. It was like, Sharks and tornadoes And I'm trying to get from A to B. It was just the weirdest dream And I'm like oh, I asked for a dream from God But I must have eaten too much cheese before bed So scratch that I can still hear from God in other ways right? So I woke up at 6 o'clock And the whole conference I would wake up at 6 o'clock And I knew God would want to talk to me So I'm like okay God what's, What do you got for me today And he said show me your heart I'm like okay cool cool So like I said I see in pictures And so all of a sudden I saw my heart But it just it looked a little pale to be honest and it looked constricted. And I'm like, so I kept trying to, like, change that visualization. I kept trying to, like, have it be, like, red and gushy and, you know. No, it, I just couldn't change it. And he goes, what do you see? And I'm like, I, I see it, a heart that's constricted. And he goes, tell me about your dream. And I'm like, seriously, that was from you? Okay. So I'm like, there were three sharks. And they're in, and we're in this boat, and we're trying to get to this place. And I, I know in my heart they're going to attack us. I know I'm going to make it, but it's really scary. He says, "What do those three sharks represent?" And I'm like, "I don't know." He goes, "Ask your spirit." I'm like, "Okay." What do those three? And just like this, it was like scarcity, insecurity, and abandonment. I'm like, "Oh." He goes, Sam what happens to your heart when you feel like there's not enough provision? When you feel like you don't belong? When you feel like you're not good enough? I'm like, it gets pretty constricted. He says, I said, okay, so you're going to slay those sharks? He says, no, you are. And I kind of was like, I don't think this is how the story goes. Like, <laughs> do you remember Jesus died? On the? Cr- he's like, yeah. He's like, you're missing a part of that, and that's relationship. He's like, this is not a fairy tale where I ride in and I save the day. He's like, this is a relationship where I mentor you and I bring that shark up onto dry land and I show you exactly how to slay that shark. It's like, because I'm maturing you and I'm growing you into somebody that can hold my glory and show who I really am to other people. And that doesn't happen by me doing it for you. You have a great story. You have a great testimony. My glory cannot reside in you when I, you're not willing to actually do your part and be mentored and be in relationship. So as we grow, what's really interesting is that these blind stu- spots, I, I don't know, I mean, all of us have gone through character growth, but it's like all of a sudden become aware of these, this blind spot and this blind spot and this blind spot. And not that long ago, God's like, so, so I'm basically this, what I'm saying is that character growth is not pretty. <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart. And one day I'm driving, he's like, hey, Sam, tell me about why you get offended. And I'm like, oh, offended, like, I wouldn't say I get very offended. Um, But I know it's like, when you're having this conversation with God, you know it's going somewhere It's going somewhere that you might not like where it's going, but it's like, Okay, honestly, God, I'm open to whatever you have to say about being offended. But like people can say some pretty harsh things to me and I don't get offended. And he goes, Oh, okay. I'm like, so I'm open to it. If you want to show me offense, I'm open to it. He's like, Oh, okay. That was it. So just out of mind. The next morning my daughter, we're running late for school and my daughter goes, Mom, I gotta run next door, I gotta get and I'm like, Oh, you got like two minutes and as soon as we get in the car, you need to see that we're in the car, you need Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, get in the car. She's still next door, knocking on the door. I start up the car. She's not running over. I pull out in front of the car, or in front of the, the neighbor's house, and she's just like, <sighs> like doing the walk, right? And I was so mad. I'm like, how dare you? She gets in the car. I'm like, hey, when I say, get in the car, and she's like, you know, and all of a sudden I heard, you sound really offended. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh." So I quickly clean it up. Hey, you know what, Nivea? I'm sounding really offended, and that's not your part of the road. That's my part of the road, and I'm sorry. Cleaned it up, and I'm like, oh, it got me there, God. <laughs> um, and then the next day, I'm, you know, cleaning up the house, and you know all this kind of stuff, and I see my husband's socks by the hamper, and I'm like, really? Like if it were a hoop and a ball, I know it's not going to stop until it goes in the basket but because it's two socks and it's sitting right beside, so I'm just like, oh. all of a sudden I heard, like I didn't even get the monologue out that was about to happen. I get, oh, you, s- you sound offended. <laughs> so finally right there, I'm like, okay, God, I'm offended. That's in my heart. And there's no room for that in my heart. And I, I'm done with it. Show me every area that I'm offended. I'm done with that. And you know what's so cool? Life is easier. Something will happen. Someone will show up late, and I'm like, huh, they're late. Whereas before I'd be like, oh, don't they know how much time uh, I have? And it's, it's freedom for me. It's freedom for me. I enjoy myself as a wife more when I'm not offended. I, I find things funnier when I'm not offended. I enjoy my children when I'm not offended. Guess what? There's more room for God's love to come through me when I'm not offended. How cool is that? And that's what's so cool that I've learned about as God grows us in character, it's not like you need to be at the standard. Here's your work. It's like, hey, give me that offense. I've got something so much better for you. I'm going to have you laughing. I'm going to have you enjoying Just trust me with it. And I cannot tell you the number of times that he's like, hey, hand that over. And it's not like he's standing over me going, what are you doing with that? I'm not offended with you. Why are you offended with other people? It's just this beautiful, soft, sometimes comical invitation. Like, hey, it's not your style. Let's try something else on. So he reveals our blind spots. And if I were really honest, when I was 20, like I'm turning 39 in a couple weeks. And um, at 29, I probably would have felt more fit to be up here because I'm going places. (laughs) And over those 10 years, God has just shown me so many blind spots that it's like, oh, God, you're so good. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere without you showing me where to step, what to do, and promising me that it's going to be your words, your love, your heart. Because I've done it without that. I've done it with the performance space. Like, I'm going to try to, and it's not fun, and it's painful, and it's lonely. And this is kind of where I go, so on this part of my trip, here's the tips and the tricks that I've learned. Here's the things that have made a huge difference. One of them is starting where you're at. You know, oh, my children are going back to school in a week. And there's this, what if I don't know what I need to know? It's like, that's why you're going there. <laughs> because you don't know what you need to know, and they're going to show you what you need to know. How brilliant is that? You know, I'll talk to, I do counseling, and I'll, I'll be seeing somebody. And, and as they're talking, you know, you hear those blind star- spots start being revealed. And so son will say, Yeah and then I told him da 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 and all of a sudden they, they hear for themselves and they're like, Oh, I shouldn't be doing that. I, I, I shouldn't talk that way. I should you know, you can see this embarrassment and it's like, No, 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 no. We start where you're at. We start right here. Because that's where God's gonna meet us. He's not gonna be like, Man, you got some stuff to clean up and then I'll work with you. He's like, No, let me work with you and that stuff will melt away. And when we give ourselves permission to be where we're at, we sidestep shame. Nothing can grow in shame. Nothing can grow in shame. If you feel shame about an area of your life, you cannot grow in that area. The shame has to be dealt with first. It is that toxic. It is that painful. We will hide it with everything in us. And Brene Brown um, does a ton of work. She's, she's done a couple TED Talks, but she's a, a shame researcher. And there's tons of proof that growth cannot exist with shame. And so it's important for us, if we're feeling shame, to be God, what is your truth about this? Here's mine, but shame does not exist in heaven. So I have a wrong perspective. So give me your perspective. What are your thoughts about me in this situation? And every single time, there's compassion. There is truth. This is not who you are. You don't have to be in this place. But I'm going to walk you out of it. I remember um, when the kids were young, I, I had so much anger. So much anger. That just And it, it was that good enough. That was the byproduct of not being good enough is I just felt so angry. So when the children wouldn't go according to plan, where I could feel good about myself as a mother, I would just feel anger. And I'm like, you know, there was one bad time where I just yelled, and then I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like, no, I'm going to go to God. God, what do I, like, and I'm expecting him to be like, yeah, that one was bad. He's like, Sam, how do you feel about yourself? And I'm like, like, I am failing. And he goes, really? Really? All I see is compassion. I see somebody who's hurting, who's trying their best, and it's like, whew, like just sobbing. Like, yeah, it is really hard. I am trying. Something changed that moment because all of a sudden I had compassion for myself, and I have never struggled with yelling at my children like that ever again. I have yelled. <laughs> it's just not a struggle. No, um, <laughs> I, I. I don't, feel it, I don't feel like it's out of my control. When I have a moment where I raise my voice or get angry, it's very quick to be cleaned up. It's very quick to be like, God, what's your truth? What do I need right now? And then I go back to my family, clean it up, but here's my boundaries. This is what I need. Um, being teachable. I, probably why, you know, I look back and I cringe in, in my 20s is that I wasn't teachable. I wasn't teachable. I thought I knew. And I can see John smile out of the corner of my eye right now. <laughs> so I think that's him confirming it. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I wasn't teachable. I thought I knew it. I thought I understood. I had my master's in counseling, which has not done anything for my character growth. It's just helped me to, v- in a very academic way, describe why I'm screwed up. <laughs> It was that relationship with God that actually healed things, actually broke things off. So being teachable is just being willing to show up and be honest and be willing to admit, I think I'm doing my best, but I'm open to what you think. I don't actually know what I'm doing, and that's okay. I know a lot about the subject, but I don't know everything, God, and I want to hear your perspective being honest i mean one of the things that he's been cleaning up with me lately is just heart attitudes like and it's just this little tweak it'll be like i'll be like oh yeah well so and so and it won't sound bad at all but all of a sudden i feel this okay god what is it he's like why were you sharing that oh yeah no it wasn't coming from a pure place (laughs) clean it up and and that's that's like this is this happens almost every day like what's going on there? Yep. Okay, clean it up. But when we have that freedom to be honest, like I am imperfect, I am where I'm at, you love me unconditionally, I have nothing to lose. I have nothing to lose. It is so freeing. I um I overheard my children one morning and um there's 3 years difference in it, but so they've got they've got this love not love happening at times. And uh so my daughter is just exasperated. She's like Gabe, you are so annoying. And he goes, I know, but you love me. She's like, ah, well, no, it's just you're so infuriating. And he goes, I know, but I'm your favorite. And you can kind of like feel her like, yeah, I don't think he's getting it. Um, she's like, Gabe, you just make me so mad. He goes, yeah, but you love me. And all of a sudden I heard, yeah, I do. Get over here, big guy. And they're hugging it out. And it's like, like that was like, wow, a parenting win that I had nothing to do with. And I just thought that's so cool because so often it can be that simple with God. Like, yeah, I totally made a mess of that. I'm sorry. Yeah, but you're still my favorite. Come here. It's that simple. We can clean things up that simply. Involving other people, not as simple. I'm going to be honest. But God can walk you through that too when you're cleaning up those, those are parts of relationships. And I don't know how God, I don't know how people do it without God, cleaning up relationships. Because it's so easy to get locked into the blame, locked into the shame, locked into the, it's not fair. So having a repentant heart, amazing. It is, like, I feel like, it's one of the, like, the treasures of the Bible. And it's like, a lot of people look at repentance with shame, though. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, I need to repent. It is a gift. It is a gift. It is a gift. To own your stuff. And really what it is, you're not saying I'm a bad person because of this. You're saying, I made a mistake, and I want your way of thinking. And if it's the same area that we're struggling with, the same area that we're repenting over, repenting over, we've got to time out and go, God, I'm seeing this in a way that isn't true. Show me how you see it. For areas what I've struggled over and over again, I'm like, okay, God, I need to see how you see me in this area. And I'll see him. He's like, oh, I'm believing this about myself. I'm believing this. And it's like, okay, so then how do you see me? And I've got, honestly, notebooks at home of my thoughts with three lines underneath each one. And then I wait on God and go, what are your thoughts? How do you see me here? And I write it out. How do you see my daughter? Write it out. How do you see my husband? Write it out. How do you see my son? Write it out. And it's like I have books at home of this because that's how many thoughts need to be taken captive and replaced. You know, we hear we need to take our thoughts captive, but we miss that piece of replacing it with the truth. And if we don't replace it with the truth, we'll replace it with shame. Shoot, I was thinking. I was judging again. And if we don't go, okay God, how do you see me in this situation? How do what's your truth about me? What's your truth about that person that I was judging? Then we're going to replace it with shame. Or our heart's going to harden and we're going to judge more. Right? So it's an it's an active process, taking those thoughts and replacing them with truth, replacing them with what God says. It's important to allow for healing. You know, when I bring those things to God, like, God, how do you see me? A lot of times he'll say, I see you with compassion. I'm like, yeah, but I'm the one throwing the stone. He goes, oh, no, no. Here's the hurt that it started with. Here's the hurt that led to the suffering, that led to the attitude, that led to you picking up that stone. And guess what? I don't just see that hurt. I see your heart behind it and you're a good person and you're loved and and he just starts pouring in the truth about how he created you to be. And it's like that he, that healing. Like I, I, I tell clients that are that I work, half my clientele is uh, non-Christian or pre-believers and half my clients are believers. And the growth with believers is exponential because talk therapy is this long road of having to replace your thinking, replace your beliefs. God does it like this just so we can be like, eh, I see that. Let's pray into it. That's not true. We start praying into it. We get a picture. We get it's it's done. It's amazing. But that's God. That's how God works. Um Yeah, I I, I don't know how people do it without it. It just takes a really long time, I guess. But hm. Forgiveness. Wow. I try to sell forgiveness all the time in my practice. Like, okay, I feel like a bit of a used salesman because no one really wants what you're selling. But forgiveness is this incredible process of untying from the past. Untying from the past. And as God walked me through forgiveness, He, um, oh, He showed me so much. I, I remember one time there was this group of women that, did something unkind to me. And it it hurt so bad. I'm like, God, how will I forgive them? Like, this hurts so much. And so finally I said, show me what forgiveness looks like. Because I I don't know how this hurts going to go away. And I just saw, it was the most incredible thing, I just saw all these divine hands. And one of the women was lying in the hands. And as she was held by these divine hands of just pure love and acceptance, I just saw her sobbing as the pain of her life came away, the pain of the beliefs about herself, the pain of scarcity, the pain of wanting to be accepted. I just saw it all melt away. And then as that melted away, she just there was this clearness, and it was so easy to love her. And then the next woman, and then the next woman, and the next woman. And by the third woman, my hand, I'm trying to get my hands in on this. Like, this is awesome. Like, this is, oh, incredible. And then when all the women went through, he goes, "It's your turn." I'm like, "But I didn't." He said, "It's your turn." So I just saw myself lying in these hands, and all of my suffering just melting away. I was crying, and it's like, it's like forgive yourself for the times that you've done this to other people, for the times that you haven't spoken up when you saw somebody being talked down about, for all the times that you've done it in your heart, even if you didn't do it in your actions and it's like i came out of that vision so connected to love and and what was cool about that is it wasn't just all of a sudden i felt like these women are amazing and i just you know like if they're forgiven no it's like this film had been cleared away i saw them with love but i also had space for healthy boundaries or I was able to say what I need in this relationship if it's to continue. I was able to decide which relationships actually shouldn't continue. And it wasn't out of rejection. It wasn't out of anger. It actually was with love. And, and that's what's so cool about that relationship with God is that he makes space for things that are so much better than what we're giving up. So much better. And... The final thing that I would say is one of the biggest turning points is making time every day to hear what God thinks. Um, you know, when I look at when I gave up being a good Christian and swapped it out with having a relationship with God, it looked like a lot more listening. A lot more listening. Like, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And here's what my heart is. And here's what is going on for me. And here's, you know, here's this picture. And hearing him, hearing him, hearing him. And what I found is I'd make time during the week. I'd get up before the kids, and and I'd have my God time. And weekends, I started dreading weekends. And I'm like, what is it? Like, everyone loves weekends. What's wrong with me? Why do I hate weekends? And I realized, I'm like, so I brought it with God. Why do I hate weekends? He's like, you don't have time with me. That's the only time in the week that we don't actually take the time to hear each other's hearts. I was like, oh. And on top of that, my kids started requesting for me to have Jesus. <laughs> time. I'm like, Mom, you need to go have tea with Jesus. <laughs> because there was a tangible difference of when I came out of my time with God. A tangible difference. I saw the world differently. I saw my children differently. I saw my husband differently. I saw myself differently. But that needed to be replenished every day. And then after time I realized that it needed to be p- replenished every few hours. Because that's how quickly, you know, if you look at when you're learning a language and you're immersed in a language, you pick it up much quicker. Well, if you look at what we're immersed in, it's not love. We're immersed in a world of scarcity, of comparison, of judgment, of deception, of hedonism. That's what we're immersed in. And so we fight the draws of that, but we need to be immersed in God's love regularly, reconnected, recalibrated. And here's what's cool about this. Like, character development isn't really fun. Um, I <laughs> you know, because there's a lot of pain and you know moments of kind of gross realization where you're like, oh, no, that really is happening, or I'm really like that. But the payoff is freedom. I am free to make mistakes. I am free to not get it right the first time. I'm free to learn. You know, it was really interesting watching my son. My son has had this fear of of water for years, like ever, forever. He's seven. And so he wouldn't pass his swimming because he wouldn't put his head under the water. And then he wouldn't learn the skills that you need to to have your head in the water. So it was kind of like, okay, we need to pray into this. Like, we've got him lessons. We've done all these kind of things. We've talked to him, but we need to pray into this. So he was prayed for. He was, you know, and he's in a swimming lesson, and all of a sudden, he says, Mom, it just broke off. It just broke off. And his head was under, and he's just like, look at me, world! You know, under. You know, because it's awesome, right? But what was interesting as I watched him learn to swim, is that it didn't break off and then he knew how to swim. He still had to learn how to swim. And when God delivers us from something, when he, we feel that break off and that freedom, we still have to go through that process of learning to live without that. Of learning. And I'd watch him approach the water and he'd be like, oh yeah, I'm not afraid. But you'd have to say that to himself all the time. Oh yeah, I'm okay. Because he's learning to live without that. And there's a process of practice that needs to take place in order for that to then become the norm. And so many times we just want to skip that process. Like, deliver me. Like, release me from this fear. But it's like, no, I'm apprenticing you. I'm here to apprentice you. So, yeah, we will break this off because this is not from heaven. But you still have this process of learning to go through to get to where you want to go to get to that place of being fully you and living wholeheartedly of loving you know it says in the Bible to love others as we love ourselves well when you don't love yourself you can't give it away like I would love to give everyone in here a Lamborghini but I don't got one (laughs) we can't we can't give away what we don't have and that's what's so important about developing this character and being open to what God's doing in your life because then we have so much more to give away the other thing that was always that was surprising for me is that there's way less responsibility. You would think there's more responsibilities as, char- as our our character grows and develops, but I felt like this lightness as God revealed to me what is my responsibility and what isn't my responsibility. Um, it was really interesting. I I was kind of wrestling this out with God. It's like God, I just feel so like overwhelmed with this, and He's like, "There's two reasons why you feel overwhelmed with this. Either." You have unrighteous responsibility, meaning this isn't your responsibility, which means you won't have the authority, but you're trying to take it on. That will lead to this feeling. He goes, but the second is if you have the responsibility, but you don't realize you have the authority. I've seen so many parents are like, I just don't know what to do. They just don't listen. It's like you have the authority. You have the authority to grow your children. And so it it becomes this walk of what does having authority look like? How does knowing that authority come through? And it usually comes through in this calm confidence that the children respond to. But, so when I have this moment of like, oh, this is just too big, I go, wait a second. Do I have the authority in this? I don't. Did you know I don't have the authority to make my children happy? That's not mine. But when I step into my authority as a parent and my responsibilities as a parent, God will guide me in how to to grow the opportunity for happiness in them, to grow the mindsets and the attitudes that make space for happiness, make them happy. We can't make our spouses happy. It's not our responsibility. It's our responsibility to show up, make sure our side of the road is cleaned up, make sure that we're available to shine God's love. That's our responsibility and that's what we have authority in. We don't have authority into how our spouse is feeling. God will use us, but it's not our responsibility. And one of the most amazing things is that as we allow our, our character to be developed and ground down and rebuilt, there's such a greater capacity for love. I'm going to share something that's like really embarrassing, but, um, and it may not be relevant, but we're, we're doing it anyways. Um, I love war movies. I love, I grew up on war movies. Like I've just always loved war movies, like World War II movies in particular, but I had this strange thing where I'd watch it and I'd start feeling like the anxiety of it. And I'd be like, I think I'd play dead. Like my strategy, if there's a war is to play dead. And so it would get to the point where we'd be watching a war movie and I'm like, you know what, Jimmy, he's like, I know you'd play dead. (laughs) Like, why are they not playing dead? Like I would just pretend that I was, you know, and it just and and as God grew, my did a work in me over and over again. I was watching a war movie like a year ago or so and I got it. I got it. I didn't see it with fear. I got the love that was overriding the fear that was propelling those men to give their lives. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. I want more of that, God. I want more of that love that allows me to, go to override fear to do the impossible, to run into the fire and not away from it. And it's like, that's what, when we press into God, and keep our focus on Him, that's what we get to live more of every day. You know, when I was preparing for this, it's like if I thought about myself talking, I'd be like, ooh, like you just, you, you are worried that your body's gonna betray you in front of everyone. You're worried that, you know, I'm, I'm gonna forget what I'm saying. You know, it's just, and then all of a sudden I'd focus on God and be like, God, what's your heart? What's your heart? And I'd be like, ooh, God. And then a little while later, I'd be like, okay, well, maybe I should talk about it. And it's like, uh, and I'd like, okay, no, God, God, what's your heart? What's your heart? What do you want to say? Calm, 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 calm. And this happens so often, it was almost like a joke. I'd be like, what if I did this? You know, over, you know, and it's like, oh, my goodness, this is incredible. Because as soon as I focused on God, as soon as I focus on what he wanted to say and what his heart for you is, what, how much he loves you and how, what he wants for you, it just was like, calm, calm, calm he wants us to have that focus in our lives. If there's something that is creating a fear in us, staring into it is only going to create more fear. But when we can focus on God and go, Hey, God, tell me your truth. I am dying here. Calm, calm. But that takes discipline. That takes practice. So every time that fear comes up, that's an invitation to practice. Every time that overwhelm comes up, it's an invitation to practicing focusing on God what is your truth what do you want from me so in closing today I believe God wants you to be excited about the character he's developing in you I think God is there's so many of you that I think don't get how excited he is for your lives like that like You look and you go, oh, but I need to work on this. And And he's like, oh, no. Yeah, you do, totally, but we'll get to it, right? We'll get to it. I love your heart. I love that you bring things to me every time you don't understand them. I love that you make time for me, even though your schedule is busy. I love that you're curious about me. He's so excited to meet us where we're at. That um, if we focus on that, I bet you we'll bring more to him. We'll bring those areas that we feel a little bit of like, hmm, he's not going to be pleased about this. Oh, he's so pleased when we bring those to him. Those are his favorite. So I'm just going to close with prayer. God, you are so good. And you love everyone in this room. And you know exactly where they're at. I just pray your Holy Spirit would just minister to them. What is the invitation today? What do you want to draw them in? What do you want to apprentice them in? I just pray you give them a picture or a thought. What are they being apprenticed in? That before they thought they were alone. That before they thought they just had to get it right or clean it up. That it's actually an apprenticeship. So I just pray for that, God. I pray that people walk out of here with freedom and excitement and anticipation because they get to practice what we will be living in heaven. They'll get to practice that here on earth and see the fruit of it. You are a good, good God, and I thank you. Amen.